You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. First Samuel chapter 27. And we're going to pray here in a moment, but I just want to introduce the chapter first. And you might remember a couple weeks ago that we were in 1 Samuel 26, and David had a second opportunity to kill his adversary, who's been trying to kill him for a long time now, King Saul. But he did not do it. Instead, he tiptoed through the men as they were sleeping, grabbed his spear and his water jug, and then tiptoed away. And then called out, woke him up, rebuked Abner, the captain of the guard, for not being more protective of King Saul, and then said, look, Saul, I could have killed you. See, I have no intention of usurping your authority or of killing you. And Saul said, oh, David, David, I'm so sorry, but it was kind of half-hearted apology. And I think that David could tell, especially as we get into this chapter. Now, I think that that was a very harrowing experience for David. Sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us this unction for the moment to, you know, go into danger or do something harrowing like that. But then, as we reflect on it later, we can get a little nervous and go, whoa, that was, that was kind of a close call, you know? That happened to Abraham. Remember Abraham and his 300 servants went to go rescue Lot? And, and, and they went to war. And then afterwards, Abraham needed to be encouraged not to fear. Uh, He perhaps maybe even had a little uh, PTSD going on. So anyway, here David is coming into this chapter, and he's struggling with some things. Let's pray before we get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and your word is life, and we're here to hear the truth. uh, However we feel, Lord. And and whatever that truth is, we want to receive it, God. Give us a love for the truth, the knowledge of the truth. And God, we just want to grow and be transformed and just hear your voice. Oh, it's such a privilege to hear your voice. So speak now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so after this event... We have here verse 1. It says, And David said in his heart, in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Oh, David, David, David. He's speaking some negative confession here to his heart. He's saying, now someday I'm going to perish by the hand of Saul. And so I better get out and go to the land of the enemy so that he will stop chasing after me. You see, David is looking around at his circumstances. He's He's getting his eyes off of God here, and he's beginning to look at the wind and the waves, like Peter did, right, when he was walking on water. You know, David's doing so great here. 
But like Peter, as he's out on that water, walking in faith, he begins to notice the wind and the waves, and he gets freaked out. And that fear leads to doubt, and the doubt, well, it causes him to sink, to sink. And so David's in this similar situation. The circumstances are such that Samuel has died. He's undoubtedly feeling the grief from this and the loss of his good friend Samuel, who anointed him to become king. Saul is relentless and unreasonable in his pursuit of David. David now realizes after sparing Saul's life twice that that's not good enough. It's not going to work, that Saul is going to continue to pursue him, and it's going to take the death of Saul in in order for, for him not to be on the run anymore. This could be very discouraging for David. Fellow Israelites have betrayed him in the region where he's been hiding time and time again. He's got his 600 men, and this is a very small group of men in comparison to the 3,000 of the top military men in Saul's army that he keeps gathering to chase after David. He's weary of running. He's tired. Remember, he said, why do you chase me like a partridge in the mountains? And we talked about how when the partridge would be hunted, the, the hunters would come after it and chase it up into the air, and then it would land somewhere, and they'd chase it up in the air again until it got tired and just couldn't do it anymore. And then they would get it. And so David is in need of endurance. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate to what David has been going through. You've had a long, drawn-out trial that doesn't seem to end, and it doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. We're all kind of in that situation um, to one degree or another. When we look at the condition of the world, and, and this world has been slowly marching towards an end, and all creation is groaning for the coming of the Lord. And so there's all, within all of us, there's this, Lord, this world gets tiring, and it gets discouraging. And that's why we're told that we're in need of endurance. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, 35, it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There it is. There's the purpose of our life in a nutshell, friends, to do the will of God. And so we seek to discover the will of God and to do the will of God, and we know that the doing of the will of God will end in reward. Reward. It says that you may receive the promise. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming, Jesus, will come and will not tarry. Now then, just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, 
My soul has no pleasure in him, the Lord says. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe in the saving of the soul. Amen? Amen. Let's not cast away our confidence in the Lord, however dark this world gets around us. Let's know that there is a world to come, that there is a city to come, that we are citizens of a different place, that we are just passing through. We're pilgrims, and we're here not to promote ourselves, not to experience pleasure and feel good, but to do the will of God, to glorify Him and to bring Him pleasure. And that is our purpose on the earth, friends. And there is a reward that is promised to us that is everlasting, as God says, or as the Bible says, at His right hand are pleasures forevermore, forevermore. Amen? Well, David is just feeling very discouraged, discouraged. And the interesting thing is, is that he doesn't have too much longer to go before God's promises uh, are fulfilled in his life, specifically that he would become king. Sometimes we give up just before the deliverance. And that's such a sad thing. You know when you're watching a movie and you know what the, the hero doesn't know? <laughs> they're, they're almost there, you know? They, just hang on a little bit longer. And sometimes the writers of the movies make them die or something before, and you're like, what? And other times they get the rescue, right? Well, we remember Saul when he was told to wait seven days for um, Samuel's arrival before he said, you know, the sacrifice, Samuel was going to come and he was going to sacrifice and then Saul was going to go into battle and he got tired of waiting and so he sacrificed himself and he disobeyed and he took on the role of the priest and then it said immediately after he was finished sacrificing, Samuel shows up. If he had only waited just a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Friends, hang on a little bit longer. Hang on a little bit longer. I remember when we had the twins, my brother told me, man, just make it through the first week, you'll be okay. Just the first week, one week. And I was just like, one week. He's like, it's better after the first week. It does? Yes, it gets easier. You got this. Got through the first week, called him up. All right, man, I did it. He's like, yeah, yeah. One month, man. The one month mark, I'm telling you, there's a big breakthrough. If you can just push through, got through the month. All right, man, one more year, bro. And I know Kylie's thinking, was it really that bad, Dad? <laughs> it was a joy. It was worth every second of it. But the point is, is you hang on, and then it gets better. It gets easier, and there's deliverance. So you are in need of endurance. Hang on, friends. Keep going. Just do the next thing and enjoy the ride. Enjoy the adventure. Amen? So David does not consult the Lord here. He does not consult a prophet like he did before. Remember, the prophet Gad was right there with him. 
No mention of him consulting the prophet. There's no consultation of the Urim and the Thummim. He's got the yes-no from the Lord. There's no mention of him seeking, the, uh, using this tool, this access to God. He just goes with his own self-talk, his own heart. Perhaps as a thought planted by the devil, doesn't say. And he just says, this guy's going to kill me someday. He's going to kill me. But he's forgetting the promises of God. Samuel said, David, you're going to be king someday, and dumped a bunch of oil on his head. If Saul kills him, he can't become king. Jonathan said, surely, David, you got to know that you're going to be king someday, and my dad's not going to be able to kill you. Abigail told him, you're going to be king someday, so you better be careful what you do right now and think about your actions. She knew. King Saul himself told David, you're going to prevail, David. And yet, here David is, and he's questioning the Word of God in his life, and he's not consulting God, and he's having a slip in his faith. Yes, the great David, the guy who defeated the giant and has displayed so much faith. He's human. He has sin nature that has been passed down to him from Adam, just like all of us have sin nature passed on to us by Adam, David is in need of a Savior as much as any of us are, friends. And God has been blessing him, and the Holy Spirit's anointing has been on his life, but he has reached his limits, humanly speaking, and he's not turning to God for help. So he believes a lie from the enemy, undoubtedly. And the question for us tonight is, will we believe God's word, or will we believe what the enemy says, or our own negative self-talk that is in contrast to the word of God? And friends, God would have us believe his word. This is what faith is all about. To say, God, I believe what you say over what I say about myself, or what the enemy would say about me, or what even other people would say about me. You see, the enemy would say to you, you're going to run out of money, and you're going to be on the street. She doesn't really love you. If he knew what you were really like, he'd leave you. You better just keep everything hidden and secret and put on a show. Everyone would be better off without you around. This temptation is too much. I can't take it. The pain is too great. Deliverance will never come. My deeds, the things I've done, the mistakes I've made, they're unforgivable. There's no resurrection. This is it, man. You die, and it's quiet forever. You're going to be in this trial forever. It will never end. If you've heard of the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, he writes from the perspective of two demons having a conversation about the people on the earth and how they're going to bring them down. And one of the arguments, that, one of the strategies that they had was recognizing that people go through undulations in their lives. What? Undu, undu what? 
undulations, ups and downs. We've got good times and we've got bad times. We've got crests and we've got troughs. And see, the demons, they figured, hey, when they're in a trough, if we can get them to believe that they're not coming up from it, there's no crest in the future for them. This is where you're going to be forever. Then we can get them so down and so discouraged that they will compromise and fall into sin, run into the arms of the enemy, if you will, even become suicidal. So this is a strategy of the enemy, lies. You're never going to get out of this. This is going to go on forever. You might as well give up. Run to the enemy. Numb the pain with drugs, with alcohol, with sexual promiscuity, whatever it be. Leave that person before you get left. Live for yourself. Live for now. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And these are just a few of the lies. Do they sound familiar to you? Have you heard any of these lies in your head before? I know I have. That's why I was able to write them down. (laughs) But what we do, instead of believing those lies and giving into it, We fight the good fight, friends. It's the good fight of faith. And we turn to the Scriptures. And this is why we have to be in the Scriptures every single day. Multiple times sometimes. Billy Graham used to keep little Bibles open around his house. So that if he sat down, you know, in the couch, oh, there's a Bible, it's open, and I can just read it right now. And he'd go around in different places. You could put some little devotionals behind your toilet and whatnot so that you just have access to the Word of God everywhere. Of course, we have these supercomputers that we walk around with. And so there's no excuse even more now than ever before. Well, I'm not very good at reading. Audible. (laughs) You can listen to it. It's incredible the access we have nowadays to the Word of God. So let's be in the Word. Let's be drenching ourselves with truth to drown out the lies from the enemy and from our own sinful fleshly self-talk. God will provide. It's a promise. God will protect and preserve. Trials are seasonal. Endure. Get through it. The crest is coming. You'll see. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Your life is precious and your gifts are needful. We are not citizens of this earth, but we're citizens of heaven. And so much more from the scriptures that God has given us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And so we cannot and should not seek to escape the enemy that is inside. Fears, turmoil, anxiety, things like that by running to the enemy that's on the outside. Drugs, alcohol, sex, entertainment, things like that to try and escape. But rather, we cry out to God. We cry out to God. We need to have faith, and we need to run to the arms of Jesus. David himself, when he fled from Saul into the cave of Abdullam, he wrote in Psalm 57.1, Psalm 57.1, 
Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. You see, he's recognizing in that moment, earlier in his life, that these calamities will pass by, that God is with him and will protect him and preserve him as he trusts in the Lord, in the Lord. Let's go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 63 together. This is another Psalm of David. This is when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So he was running from Saul, would have been before what we're reading about today. And this is what David wrote concerning that time. He says in Psalm 63, starting at verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Verse 3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. He's saying, even though I'm in this wilderness, even though I'm running for my life, even though me and my men cannot find food all the time and water all the time, I'm going to praise you as if I had a feast before me, as if I had marrow and fatness before me. I'm going to worship you and magnify your name. That's the best thing, friends, that you can do when you're in a trial, when you're in a dry and thirsty place. Praise Jesus. Lift up your hands to the Lord and magnify him with your lips, and he will lift you up out of this discouragement and this despair and he brings hope and he loves the faith. Did you know the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people? He dwells in those praises. I'll never forget, and I've shared this before, but Jeremy Camp, when he found out that, you know, his, his, uh, it was his fiance at first and she had cancer and she went into remission and then they got married. They went on their honeymoon, they came back, and her cancer came back, and then the Lord took her home. And there he was in the hospital room in this moment of despair and grief, and God spoke to his heart and said, worship me. And we might say, how cruel. (laughs) Let the guy grieve for a while. But you see, God knows that the best way to deal with our grief our sadness, our despair, whatever it be, is to praise him and worship him. Worship him. And he did. And boy, God has blessed his worship ministry, hasn't he? If you've heard of Jeremy Camp, you know. And so, worship. This is where David's heart is, even in the midst of this wilderness experience. In verse 6, it says, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. 
My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Verse 9, But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Now these are some words of faith, friends. And this is how God would have us to respond in any given situation. But the good news is, is God's grace is with us irregardless. If you are a child of God and have received Christ as your Savior and invited him into your life and you are saved and you are his kid, he's going to take care of you. And even if you say things like David did, this negative confession, it's all going to, you're an Eeyore, right? (laughs) And so here, even if we're an Eeyore, God is faithful. He's faithful, and he's a friend that will stick close to us no matter what and is always with us. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.